Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. Our scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 17. And I'm using the New English translation, the NET Bible. Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten men with leprosy met him. So this is the video that we just saw, and I wanted the children to see it as well. Ten men with leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance, raised their voices, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went along, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner, the Samaritan? And then he said to the man, Get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. May he speak to us from it. Well, Thanksgiving Sunday and saying thank you. And as I mentioned, I wanted the children to see the video and us as well because it ends with, don't forget to thank Jesus. And I don't know how many of you, and probably most of us, have been in situations where we find that our English language is just limited when we try to find words to express appreciation. Saying thank you after a while starts to wear thin. Thank you's not enough. Those two words just don't convey the depth of gratitude that we want to express. And I can say that to you from me this morning. Thank you. And it doesn't express it. Your love and your support since the day I came here has just been overwhelming and wonderful, and I thank you for that. Your support of Wayne and of me and our wedding, thank you. Your encouragement, the the shower Wednesday night, so I don't know how to say thank you. So I did want to put that in there this morning as we come to this lesson. But the lesson this morning is about ten men who were healed of leprosy. And the New English translation has as a title, The Grateful Leper. And William Barclay, in his commentary, entitles it, The Rarity of Gratitude. The Rarity of Gratitude. You may have seen on television appeals by organizations asking for money to help those who have leprosy. And the pictures of the people suffering from that dreadful disease are difficult to watch. And today, the World Health Organization, WHO, is trying to get control over that disease of leprosy. And the WHO had announced back in the year 2000, 18 years ago, that leprosy had been eliminated because they said that only one in 10,000 was affected by the disease. But it has come back into our world today, and it's a public health issue. And it is curable, and it is treatable, But it has to be detected, and it has to be treated. And this is not happening in a lot of countries where there is poverty, where there is a lack of medical supplies, and because people are not admitting to having the disease because there's a stigma around it. 
And sadly, nine out of every 100 people, nine of 100 with leprosy, is a child. Nine of 100 children. In Jesus' day, leprosy was even more horrific than it is today. Medical care was minimal. The suffering was great. I don't want to get graphic about it. Um, the nerve endings get destroyed, so often you would damage, you injure yourself because you wouldn't feel pain. You might have a bad burn because you didn't realize you were being burned. And so you often suffered, but your body started to get eaten away by the disease as well. But maybe even worse was the isolation and the humiliation you had to leave home, you had to leave your whole community because you were contagious. So you went to live with other people who had leprosy. And you had to stay away at least 50 yards from anyone else. And you had to go around crying, unclean, unclean, so that people knew that you were in the area. And all skin diseases got diagnosed as leprosy. So you might be a person, for example, with psoriasis. But they said you had leprosy, so they put you in with lepers. Contagious. So you ended up with leprosy. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, I was thinking of having two testimonies, but what I'm going to try to draw out is two testimonies out of this story of ten men who were healed. Because testimonies in our stories are powerful. What is a testimony? Well, for us, for a Christian, a testimony tells of what our lives were like, and then how Jesus came into our lives and what life is like now with him. So what I'd like to do is look at this one in scripture and pull out the two from the group of lepers. And I've described, as I've talked about leprosy, what light life would have been like for them. And then we just read how Jesus came on the scene, told them to go to the priests, how they were crying out to him, and then what life might have been like for them after that day. What story would they have had to tell? What testimony would have been theirs because Jesus came into their lives? Well, first, a testimony of just one of the nine. I'm going to try to put some words into this. I think we can do that. What would have been the story of one of the nine who continued on and went to the priests? Let's picture him at home now, and everybody wants to hear what happened, what happened. And he might say, well, I was covered in sores, and my hands had become gnarled stumps. I couldn't even fasten my clothes, but I didn't get much help or any sympathy because everybody around me was in suffering the same thing. But we were there and we could see Jesus at a distance because, of course, we had to stay at a distance from the crowd. And we all started to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And I don't think we even knew what we were asking from him, but something inside of us was telling us to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And so he said to us, go and show yourselves to the priests. Didn't make a lot of sense to us, but we started on our way to the synagogue anyway to do that. And as I walked, it started to happen. And I looked down and I could see the sores were disappearing and my fingers were becoming fingers again. And we all looked at each other and the same was happening for all of us. Well, we didn't just walk. We started to run. And we ran to the synagogue, ran to the priests. And then we ran home because we were healed. And I hugged my wife. And I held my children for the first time in months. And I went over to see my neighbors. 
And I stopped in to see mom and dad and my sisters and brothers. And I went to the market and bought vegetables. And I even went to where I had worked and told them I was coming back. And all those things that I had once taken so for granted and had lost were now given back to me. But that's as far as I can go with the personal testimony as I can see it from Scripture. But how did the nine explain the miracle that had happened to them? Well, I like happy endings. I like to think that they told people that it was Jesus who had done it. I like to think that eventually they made their way back to Jesus to say thank you. But maybe they did not. Maybe the excitement might have even had good intentions, but all the celebrations of them being home and healed, all of that just took over. Or perhaps they didn't go back to Jesus because they were afraid. He was a marked man by the chief priests and the religious leaders. Maybe they didn't want to associate with him. They had just gotten their freedom. What if we go to the testimony of man number 10, the one that you saw in the video who turned around? This man also on his way to see the priests. But he looks down like all the others, and he sees that his skin is clear and his leprosy is gone. And he stops, and realization dawns. Jesus. And for him, oh, the priests, the priests can wait. Family and friends and celebration, even that can wait. And while others run home, man number 10 runs back. And he gets to Jesus and he just drops to his knees and his face goes to the ground. Thank you. Thank you. And we can be sure, as he later told his story and told his testimony, that he included Jesus and how he owed this wonderful miracle to none other than Jesus and was giving the glory to God. As we continued reading in Luke's Gospel and Scripture, we also hear the words of Jesus as that man arrives in front of him. And Jesus says, only this one? Weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? Is this the only one who has come back to praise God? Those words are sad as we read Jesus, that he said them. Jesus was human means a lot to us to hear appreciation and a thank you when we've done something for someone. But Jesus tells us over and over again that every miracle and everything he did was to bring glory to his Father God. So that was his question. Why didn't the others turn around and bring praise to God? We'll finish off the story in a moment, but there are a number of lessons that we could learn from this event, and we could expand on every one of them. We could probably do a series of messages on just this miracle. I'm not going to take a lot of time around that this morning. I'm going to name, I think it's five or six that I have here, just points that we can take out with us this morning around being thankful on this Thanksgiving weekend, how those might touch our lives. Number one, Jesus told those ten to go and see the priests at the synagogue. That would make absolutely no sense to these men. They still had leprosy. You only went to a priest when you had been healed, and then you would get a bill of clean health from them. So what, would, what did they think they might say when they got there? That this man, Jesus, had sent them? They were expecting to show up still with leprosy. 
They probably wondered how they were ever going to get any entrance into the synagogue, let alone get to any priest. They had to stay away from people. The leprous sores were still on them as they started out. So this morning, how many times does life not make sense for us just like that? How many times do we ask God, I don't get it. What does this mean? Because life happens to every one of us, Christians included. Christians have accidents and sickness. Some of us suffer violence. We're taken in by scam artists like everybody else. We are betrayed by friends and spouses and children and loved ones. We fail at school or university. We lose a job. We do things that are wrong and we suffer defeat. We have to face consequences. And sometimes our Christian life just does not make sense. And we say, God, do you really want me to be thankful right now? And we read scripture and it says, don't worry, don't be afraid, have faith. And we try, but sometimes the more we try, the harder things get. Or we hear a, a call in our lives from God, and we think, what, I can't do that. It's not realistic. I don't have the money. I don't have the circumstances to be able to do this, Lord. Life doesn't make sense. You want me to be thankful in the middle of all this? But Jesus sees a much bigger picture. Jesus sent those ten to the priests, first of all, to obey the law. They were supposed to do that. But also to show God's glory to the priests, the religious leaders. A miracle in God's name through Jesus had just happened. He wanted the religious leaders to know. But it got even more personal, I think. The ten men had to be inspected to be readmitted into their communities. Jesus knew they couldn't just run home to their families. He knew exactly what they needed, right down to the last detail. So he had to send them to the priests first. Jesus knows what we need as well. From the big picture of what he's trying to accomplish in kingdom work, to what we need, right down to that last detail, Jesus knows. And every last personal detail of our lives matters to him. Point number two to take home with us this morning as Jesus looks for the other nine, and he says, did only this foreigner come back, this foreigner, this Samaritan? Well, let's look at the group of the ten men that a Samaritan was even in the group, and we're presuming the other nine were Jewish men. Jews and Samaritans loathed each other. It wasn't just a mild dislike. They fought, they loathed each other. Strong word. And yet there they stood, ten of them, side by side, crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And we know how brothers and sisters in a family can fight sometimes, but don't let anybody from the outside say anything about one of them. They'll stick together. Jews and Samaritans, with leprosy, stuck together. And Barclay describes how even animals will do that. If there's danger, if there's a situation, um, a flood would be an example, and they have to get to a higher plane, you will see animals there on that higher plane that are usually predators of the other, and yet they stand there peacefully, side by side, in that face of danger. Isn't there something for us to learn from that as Christians this morning, that our common need of God should draw us together? 
that we should stand shoulder to shoulder loving and helping and encouraging one another regardless of our race or our culture or our social status our successes our failures together in the good times and in the bad times in need of God and in need of one another Point number three, as I said, I'm going down through some this morning. This one should be so obvious, and yet we still need to be reminded often. How many times do we pray with an intense, desperate cry for help? Jesus, I need your help. Please have mercy on me. And our prayers are answered in ways that we hope they might be, and we don't even get back to say thank you to God until we want or need something again. And number four, and we see how this Samaritan who returned actually showed up the other nine who did not. And one of the commentaries said that Luke includes it here just to bring some criticism to Israel for lacking insight, for lacking faith. But what about today? How many non-Christians show us up as Christians? Show us up in the workplace or at school or university. Show us up in the care of God's creation. Show us up in serving in commun- a community, enduring tragedies. Showing up, show us up rather in being ethical and honest in our lifestyle. Show us up in really helping the marginalized, not with a check, but with presence and practical help. And number five on this Thanksgiving Sunday, shouldn't we as Christians be the most thankful people on earth? No one should ever show us up in that. Our eyes, our ears, our heads tell us the gratitude that we should give to God. All that we have, the very fact that we can be in this place this morning, the next breath that we cannot make happen ourselves, gratitude to our God, and the beautiful things, I mean, look around us, but the beautiful things that he has given us, a smile, the friendship of a friend, the fall colors. Imagine how drab, imagine how lifeless our life would be without the master artist, without his creativity. Thank you, God. So it's not just the nine or even the Israelites that get shown up in this story. It's all of us who fail to thank God in our lives today and for all that he's done for us. Gratitude is important. We might see it as a rather tame teaching this morning, another Thanksgiving message that we hear once a year. But gratitude builds us up, and lack of gratitude tears us down. Barclay says there's no story in the Gospels so poignantly, uh, no story rather in the Gospels so poignantly shows human ingratitude like this one does. No other story shows ingratitude in the Gospels as this one does. The desperate longing of those ten men, Jesus had mercy on us and they were cured, but nine never went back to say thank you. So may we learn from this story. Jesus said to the man who fell on his face before him, he said, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Craig Evans, in his commentary on this passage, says that an aspect of our faith, and I found this quite profound, an aspect of our faith, or our faithfulness, 
is thankfulness. Part of our faith is our thankfulness. He says that Jesus understood that the actions and gratitude of this man were an indication of his conversion to a faith in him. He wasn't just healed from his dreaded leprosy. He had gained entry into the kingdom of God. It was so much more than just a healing of his body. So this morning, this Thanksgiving, will we come to a place where words are not enough as we go to our God? Will we go to our knees before him, our faces to the ground? Does God deserve anything less? Will we be made well? No matter what physical or emotional or intellectual or spiritual healing we might need, will we come to Jesus and with faith and with deep thanksgiving ask him to make us well? Will we say thank you and receive the healing and get up and go on our way telling our story, giving our testimony, giving God the glory and showing by the way that we live and follow Jesus our deep, deep gratitude for his love. Surely that is being made well. And for that, may we be thankful. Let's pray. Loving God. We hear it every year. We probably hear it every Sunday. It is to you that we must be thankful. Forgive us when we take things for granted. Forgive us when we try to do so much on our own. God, thank you for who you are. Just hear our thanksgiving. Hear our gratitude. We don't have enough words. Receive our hearts, receive our lives. We love you, God. We adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.